Hello everybody and welcome back to the Glory Glory Money Night podcast. I'm your host as always, Kyle Quinn, and joining me today is Bruce to discuss the Nottingham Forest game. We're going to look at the contract situation of a few players, including Raphael Varane, um, and also we'll take a look at the Ineos ownership news um, in a bit more detail today as Every day there seems to be new stories regarding this. And obviously, Sir Dave Brailsford has been at the last two games and been at the training ground yesterday, I believe. So monitoring United at close quarters now um, and doing a, a general audit of the club. Um, but before we get going, Happy New Year, everybody, and Happy New, new Year to you, Brush. Yeah, Happy New Year, bro. Happy New Year. You know, it's not, not such a... A great 2023 for Manchester United, um, other than winning the League Cup. But things have really spiralled out of control since the beginning of, of this season. And we're hoping that 2024 will, will bring us more joy. Um, I don't suspect that's going to happen immediately. It's going to take time for this to turn around and a lot of big decisions need to be made. Um, but before we get into that, um, let's take a look back at the, the Forest game, unfortunately. Um which was another abysmal performance by Manchester United, um, losing the game 2-1. Um, uh, what was even worse about it is that at one each, we were in the ascendancy, and I thought oh, we could actually win this game after playing so poorly. But then um, a dummy by Bruno Fernandes led to a Forest counter-attack and them scoring, and, and perhaps a player who should have been sent off uh, scoring the winner. So what was your overall thoughts on the game then, Brush? Ah, uh, well, listen, it's not only United that have been terrible. I've been a bit under the weather as well over the last uh, couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, United, it's all reflected. It's all, it all goes hand in hand, mate. Uh, two defeats in the last three, very lacklustre performances. I didn't think we created a great deal either, which is the real frustrating thing. Uh, the only bright spot for me against Forrest was probably Garnacho. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the only club that has had a had a worse Christmas than Manchester United is probably Arsenal. Um, Happy days. <laughs> the, the one silver lining. They've uh, had even less points accumulated than us over the Christmas period, um, which will come as a surprise to many people. But yeah, that's that's two defeats in three for United over the Christmas period, which surprises absolutely no one. Our 14th defeat of the season, our ninth in the league. Um, We have got 18 games left in the Premier League. I could see a scenario we could lose 10 of those. Um, That's how bad we are. Nine or 10. Um, And unless we do do some sensational business in the January market, or there is a, a change of manager and we get a new manager bounce, um, yeah, I can easily see us, you know, um, losing half our games between now and the end of the season, and that's going to leave us probably finishing about ninth or tenth in the league. And 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 I'm not exaggerating that that's how horrendous we are at the moment. Um, that's why I never get excited when we get results like we did against Aston Villa because I know the next game will be a defeat. Um, so brush, it, it really is depressing at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. I mean, even going back before the Villa game, obviously the whole week was disastrous. Uh, the West Ham game, you know, when we really look at it, yeah, we didn't really deserve anything from that one, did we? Um, and Kobe Maynard, uh, I know we've uh, mentioned how mature he is for his age, but you do have to remember his actual age. And young players do make mistakes, you know, and uh, it was highlighted in that game. 
Um, and then in the game since, I just feel like he's been isolated as well. Uh, he needs help in that midfield, especially against Forrest. Uh, the other day we saw it. Um, it's just it's so hard when he's he's there by himself. Well, that takes me on to some of the, the managerial decisions at Forest. Um, and the first one that I have to complain about is the fact that Garnacho excelled on the right against Aston Villa. Yeah. And then he was moved back to the left against Forest. And when Garnacho got that assist against Forest, where was he on the pitch? He was on the right. Yeah. Um, this, and this was all to accommodate Anthony uh, because Hoyland was ill and not available. To me, I would have either played... Um, I would have stuck with uh, um, Garnaccio on the right and played Anthony on the left, or Ras played um, McTominay up front and Rashford on the left and Garnaccio on the right. Uh, I, I probably think... would have gone for Rashford on the left, you know, Carl, because obviously, you know, his, his struggles this season are widely documented. But the best performance we've seen in recent weeks was when he was on the left assisting uh, Garnaccio against Aston Villa. Uh, so you'd yeah. think you'd want to keep it the same so he could, you know, uh, build some kind of momentum. Yeah, what I would have done is is make as few changes as possible from the Villa game. That was probably one of our best performances of the season, and he changes it up. Uh, it's just so infuriating. Um, so yeah, I would have stuck with uh, Rashford on the left and Garnacho on the right, and probably just played McTominay up front. And I thought we kept hearing at half time that McTominay was going through a rigorous warm up routine, which meant he was probably coming on at the break. Um, and I I just assumed that he's going to take Anthony off here, and and put um, McTominay down the middle and switch Rashford to the left and Garnaccio right. Um, but what he did is take off Kobe Manu, um, which was a, a disastrous decision. Totally because, unbalanced things. Yeah, because McTominay is not a defensive midfielder. And once no. again, we conceded two goals from cutbacks and yep. the, the midfielder in the middle uh, was not being marked at all. And you could definitely make the case that it was McTominay's job to to mark um, definitely Morgan Gibbs-White um, yeah how many we've conceded so many goals from cutbacks this season it's just the same goal we concede every week and that it's is also isn't it? yeah yeah and from those angles as well you know um, with the defender in the way as well the keeper obviously sees it late as well and we've got someone in goal who you know uh, you're going to try your luck against him as long as you get it on target you've got a chance you know yeah, and Matt Turner is even worse than Onana um, from yeah. what I've seen in that 90 minutes, and we did not take advantage of that. We his... really didn't. I think well, Dallo was very unlucky, wasn't he? I think he hit the bar. There was that one random shot from Bruno that took a bounce. Yeah, I mean, Matt Turner's distribution is the worst I've seen all season, and I've watched many games in the Premier League and Europe this season, mm. um, and... I've never seen anything like it. We took advantage of it with, with the Rashford goal, assisted by Granacho. It was lovely uh, interception from Granacho, you know, uh, stretching to reach the ball and then able to have the vision to pick out Rashford in space and Rashford tuck it away nicely. But we had so many other opportunities. Like you mentioned, uh, I think but even, hit, hit. even with that, Carl, like as nice a finish as it was, uh, you know, we capitalized on a mistake. We never really created anything for ourselves, you know. No, I have to say the first half was one of those dire halves of football. I've watched yeah, yeah, it was absolutely atrocious. Like, honestly, I'm sure you agree as well. Like, if we weren't fans of the club, that's not a match that either of us would have been willingly watching. Yeah, I'm sure all the neutrals turned off. I uh, turned off. After yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, I, yeah, I was tired watching it. <laughs> 
yeah, it was it was brutal. There's no other way of, de- of describing it. Um, but yeah, you mentioned Dallow hit the post from the edge of the area. That was yeah. a great strike. Unlucky that that didn't go in. Um, but yeah, Dallow was was culpable for for the goal as well. Um, Olanga, mm. he just backing off and backing off Olanga and not putting the tackle in and allowing him to. And then McTominay comes across to double up to help him out, but then leaves Morgan Gibbs an acres of space to, to shoot yeah. from the edge of the area. Um, this is just a common theme, you know, not, not picking up runs from, from midfield. And it's just a easy cutback and then a slot into the corner. And, yeah, I, somebody made a, a compilation video of all mm-hmm. the, those goals we've been seeing this season against Arsenal, Brighton, Bayern, Galatasaray, Copenhagen, Forest. Yeah, there's been so many games we've been seeing that goal. Um, and it's I, I'd, what are the coaches doing on the training ground if they can't sort this out? Um, but like I said, McTominay for Manu was a huge mistake in my opinion. Um, totally unbalanced the midfield. We, I mean, we made our minds up three years ago that McTominay couldn't play as a number six, uh, and yet Ten Hag is still persistent with that. His biggest asset is his threat in the opposition's penalty box, and he brings him on to play him as a number six when we needed a goal. I just, I just don't understand what the manager's doing anymore. Do you? Yeah, it's it's very confusing, isn't it? Um, yeah, lack of ideas, naivety, stubbornness. Um, yeah, like you say, with McTominay, for me, like, you know, he can only be used as an impact sub and further forward. Um, you know, when you're looking for a goal, that's the guy you want to stick up there. A bit like what Jose used to do with Fellaini when we go route one. Yeah, I was just about to mention Fellaini. That's, that's what uh, McTominay should be now. Um, yeah, should not be coming on to change the game in midfield. Um, he shouldn't. Yeah. And this is the thing: how many managers has he survived now? You know, when, when is it going to stop? Yeah, I, like on, on this talk of uh, Varane's contract is not being extended, whereas mm. Lindelof's is. I'd be hugely concerned if Lindelof's going to outlast Varane at this club, because this is just a common theme where. The players that need to go the most to survive the longest, and I'm just about fed up with it now. We're just we're constantly going around in circles. Um, uh, it's an interesting one, that one, Carl, because obviously, like with Lindelof, I mean, yeah, it's a one-year extension, but we see him as nothing more than a rotation option at this stage, right? Uh, and that's all he'll ever be at United. Um, regarding Varane, the three hundred and fifty grand a week he's on is a huge concern. Um, so for that reason, I probably would have chosen to move on from him in the summer, but I would have preferred to sell him opposed to lose him for free. I don't think we're in a position to just, you know, take a loss on any player. Uh, net spend, we've spoken about that countless times and how United just don't get anything in return for their players. And it's a disgrace and it needs to stop. And we've now put ourselves in a position where uh, I think the club have an option to extend his contract, but then it's on the current terms. So if we extend, it will be on 350 a week, I believe. Um, and they're probably reluctant to do that. So they'll probably do that thing that they did with the hair last season, where they try and renegotiate a new deal, but on lesser wages. Samuel Lockhurst is reporting this morning that Ferran feels as if he's being forced out of the club. Yeah. Um, and that's... It does seem that way. Um, yeah, they want to get those wages off the books, probably. But yes. What happens if uh, Varane leaves 
and then we still don't find a buyer for Lindelof and he sticks around for another year. And I don't even think he's good enough to be a rotational option. He, he's had a dreadful season himself. He was getting a few plaudits uh, at the and, back. And this is the other thing, Carl. He's 29 going on 30. So honestly, I don't think that extension is so that we can sell him on. I think this club will just keep him and then release him for free next year, maybe. Oh, you know, see, see that pol- those, that policy just ain't working. Uh, and no, that's just, it isn't. That's the same old, same old. Um, exactly. Rewarding. Yeah, but I mean, obviously now we've seen so well. We've seen we're starting to see some change with uh, Sir Jim and Ineos coming in. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to keep a keen eye on it and to see if there's are there are there are any changes that happen now. Um, but yeah, if a player the the caliber of Varane is off the books and we do release him in the summer for free then i'm expecting a big name signing or like a you know a significant center half to come in not just anybody yeah that has to happen but i don't mind if the likes of Ferran and casemiro are sold to get them off the books but i do yes. mind it if Maguire, McTominay, and Lindelof stay for another year, and the, and those two quality individuals leave. That would that would just infuriate me. I mean, on paper, I know that looks you know crazy, um, and I understand that. Uh, and from a footballing point of view as well, it's crazy. But the thing is, you know, to operate as a business as well, you have to start by sacrificing your highest earners in order to give yourself the room to rebuild. Um, so I can see the logic in wanting to get rid of the high earners who are over the age of 30. Uh, the likes of McTominay, yeah, you know, they're bench fodder. They're probably not on that higher wages. So I think that's how he survives time and time again. Yeah, and he, he should have been sold to West Ham for 30 million in the summer. Yeah, I'm hoping, yeah. I'm hoping that the goals that he's got this season will keep his price tag pretty high in the mm. 30 to 40 zone and we can move him on because... Like I said, we struggle to get transfer fees. We're going to make a 25 million loss on Van der Beek, who has joined Frankfurt today. Frankfurt, yeah. yeah. So McTominay has a chance to actually recruit a big fee because we paid nothing for him, obviously. If he got 30 yeah. to 40, 40 to million, that would be a, a great profit to have and to add to the bank for the transfer kitty in the summer as well. Um, so just coming back to the game, um, the one bright spark I felt for United was Ahmed Diallo's appearance in the second half. I thought he, he played really, really well. Um, I mean, I was going to say he was much better than Anthony, but that wouldn't be too hard. Um, and for me, it, it would be nice to see Diallo get an opportunity to start in, in the Wigan game in the FA Cup. Would you go along with that, Brush? Uh, yeah, I would. I would go along with that. Um, seeing him in training as well, uh, you know, I think it was really refreshing just to see somebody take the ball on the outside and use both feet as well. Uh, but again, um, judging by what this manager has done with Palestri, I have my doubts as to whether he would uh, get his chance or not. Well, he obviously values Diallo more than Palestri. The fact that Palestri didn't play a single second against Forrest and Diallo came on after 54 minutes, which surprised me. Um, and he had a really positive impact. I mean, anyone is better than Anthony at the moment. He has been a woeful signing. Um, £85 million for such a limited player. And yeah, I think we we just become a laughing stock with the money that we've wasted down the years, and you know, Tin Hag does have to take some of the responsibility um, for signing Anthony. Obviously, because he played under him at Ajax, and now he was right to bring in Martinez, but Anthony 
we do have to question that. And and another reason why it looks so bad is that two Ajax players who played under Ten Hag are at West Ham and excelling. Uh, is it uh, Edison Alvarez and Mohamed Kudus? They're doing great things at West Ham. Like one of them scored against us. So they're, they've got better value for money for the players that they signed from Ajax. So that's a really bad look on Ten Hag as well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. The only thing I will say is obviously he's not the one negotiating the fees. So whilst he recommends the players that he wants, the club are responsible for that. And at the time we spoke about Anthony being, uh, you know, us paying double what he's worth. Um, and even with uh, even with Martinez, to be honest, that deal could have got done sooner and cheaper had we acted, but we didn't. Um, and obviously, you know, if they hit the ground running, then the price tag becomes less of an issue. It's just that it's not happened too often for us, unfortunately. But like I've said, once United went as high as £85 million, if I was the manager, I would have said, no, he's not worth that. Because if he fails, then it'll come back on me and I'll get the blame for it. And it was obvious that he wasn't worth that kind of money. Even Ajax fans were saying that and they were just laughing at us basically for paying that kind of fee. Um, and he's actually been even worse than, than any of us could have anticipated. So it's zero goals and zero assists this season. It came up a stat there that um, he hasn't scored. Uh, since the Forest away game last season, uh, which was in which, which was in April, um, he's played is it twenty nine Premier League games since then without a goal. Uh, he hasn't gotten an assist since May, a match against Wolves, I think it was. Um, yeah, and he doesn't look like creating anything. Um, uh, you mean look at him at the ball? He just looks he just looks lost when he has the ball. He doesn't know what to do with it. Um, he can't go down. The, the outside and cross it with his right foot so the defenders just find him very easy to defend against especially if you double up against him he just all, all he does is he, he does a wee drag back uh, and then he, he loses it um it's just it's really hard to watch at the moment and for for the time being i think diallo should be given a chance but in the in the long term we need to seriously consider you know we're probably going to have to loan him out you know because who's going who's going to pay money for that guy um, and if we do manage to get a transfer fee for him, it's going to be a, a huge loss we're going to have to make on him. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think Ten Hag is, I don't think he's going to last um, beyond this season. Um, and that's what he's going to be remembered for, for bringing Anthony to the club for, for that fee. Um, we, Ten Hag, Freddy just looked, did you see him after the Bournemouth defeat at home just turn into space for about 20 seconds he just looks lost out there and completely out of ideas we, we've already talked about his selections and his tactics and his substitutions against Forrest and that's just been a common theme uh, do, I, I don't see a long term future for Ten Hag at this club especially with new owners coming in how do you see it Rush? Yeah it's looking quite bleak at the moment isn't it um, I think we'll probably know more in the summer um, yeah, with the new guys coming in, like you say, I'm sure they have their own ideas, but we'll still have to wait and see. Um, I'm never really in favour of sacking managers without a proper plan in place. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the thing. Um, there's so many other things still up in the air. Personally, I'll probably leave it till summertime and then reassess the situation and maybe start making contingencies, uh, highlighting the direction you want to go in and, you know, earmarking one or two individuals. 
Well, they are doing an audit of the club, uh, Brailsford and Jim Radcliffe. I think uh, Brailsford's got to report his findings back to Radcliffe. Uh, Brailsford's been at the last two games, and I think Radcliffe could be at the next one, um, certainly the next home one anyway. Um, it's it's not looking good for the manager, and we can't pretend that it's got nothing to do with him. Um, statistically, I think this is the worst season yet post-Ferguson. Um, and so many records are tumbling all the time and, and it, negative records at that. It's it's a weird one though, isn't it, Carl? Because obviously like statistics can be manipulated, like because there'll be those that bring up the stat that, you know, uh on record thus far he's got the highest win percentage out of any new manager. So it's all down to how you break it down. But what I'm watching is absolute dross week in, week out. Uh, oh yeah, team. absolutely. Absolutely. But then that again, it's a, it's a culmination of things, isn't it? We've not had the right structure. Uh, you know, no manager can be just fully entrusted uh, with identifying the talent and whatnot. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of things that need fixing. And then, like you say, with the likes of Anthony, um, if you were to cash in, you would make a huge, huge loss. And then not only would you make a huge loss, that player would also then need to be replaced. So would you then spend whatever we recoup from him to try and replace him? And then what are you getting in return? Would it be more of the same or similar? Well, as long as Ten Hag doesn't have input on who we're replacing Anthony with, then I'm okay. Because um, I don't trust him anymore. don't trust his judgment anymore. Um, I'm just about fed up with the, this manager, to be honest with you. And I know change the manager won't fix everything, but we know change is coming behind the scenes um, with any of us coming into the club. Uh, I think that's the final throw of the dice for me, though, Carl. I think I'd like to see the changes, you know, the structural and the other ones behind the scenes happen. And then if it doesn't work out with Ten Hag, then we say sayonara. I and yeah, no, I just don't have the patience for that. I don't want to waste uh, another calendar year on this coach. Um, I just don't think he's not even showing any signs at all that he's got something. Um, it's just the, the the like I said, the tactics, the selections, the substitutions are just diabolical, and he's just out of ideas completely. And um, it doesn't look like the, the the dress room is is fully behind him. Uh, I would say they're probably. They probably lost faith in his in his philosophy, whatever that is. I don't know what that is either. Um, um we are eighteen months in. Um, yeah, the number of defeats are really are it really is embarrassing now. We're laughing stock. Um, I, I believe we're the only team in the top ten with a minus goal difference. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing. Um, minus five. We're back to that again. Um, I, I can't even believe we're as high as seventh. That, that, that is a surprise. I think, seven? well, I think we've played one game more. So depending on other results, I think we could slip down to nine. Yeah, it's, yeah, we're still seventh, one point above Brighton, um, who have played a game less. That's right, yeah. Um, so Newcastle are within two points of us as well. So we could go down to ninth. Um the, the biggest humiliation would be that if Chelsea went above us in the next few weeks. Um, but, yeah, I, I just don't see the manager surviving a new ownership once they've done their audit. Um, you know, do you see if we were playing... Uh, like, we know that Klopp took time to get going at Liverpool. If we were playing, you know brilliant football scoring lots of goals and winning most of our games but we were losing like every three or four games because 
um, we were inconsistent and, and needed a few. We needed a Van Dyke or a Allison to to make us title challengers. But we're nowhere near that. We're not. We're not even going to be good enough to qualify for Europe next season. So I just I, like if Tin Hag continues to the end of the season like you're anticipating, United are going to finish ninth or tenth in the table. Therefore, no European football. And you know United manager is going to get another season after that, is he? Yeah, yeah. If things continue like they are currently, then yeah, it is quite bleak. But again, I don't see who comes in and just fixes this, you know. Uh, we talk about new manager bounce, but that, that's what I mean. You're going to have to let them do the audit. And long-term planning is what I would like to see. That's the only thing that can really fix us. Um, so what I wouldn't want is a knee-jerk re- uh, decision in sacking him without a real plan in place and then maybe an interim coming in and going through all that nonsense again. No, I would say they they are they have either have a plan or they're working on it. Um, I don't think any of us are just going to sack them um, without knowing who the next guy is going to be, like Edward Wood used to do. Uh, I would say they already have a list of managers in mind um, as a, a contingency plan, um, and they might need to use that contingency sooner uh, than they thought. Because could you imagine if he go out of the FA Cup early doors as well? Um, and we've got a big game against Tottenham coming in mid-January. I mean, how you, you can't keep losing football matches, you know. Um, I've seen a few people online already calling for Solskjaer to come back as an interim. And then somebody else had suggested Ruud van Nistelrooy as an interim. I was thinking, and then a few other people commented saying, no, no more Dutch coaches, please. No, we're not going down that road again. Um, Joe Blackburn here says, what about Greenwood? Uh, he says he doesn't want to waste another season on these players, and I agree with that. Many of these players need to be moved on, but we say the same thing every season. Yeah, um, with with Joe's first comment, I think, again, that's another big, that, that'll be a big decision for the Ineos guys to make uh, come the summer on what they do with that whole situation. Yeah, you know, looking how well he's playing in Spain and He's attracting t- attention from the big boys in Spain, Barcelona, Madrid, and Atletico. Um, and just I was watching a YouTube video recently called Ollie's Pandemic Raids, and it was during that you know period where we were playing in Abbey Stadiums and had a long unbeaten uh, run away from home. And Greenwood scoring goals with his his right foot and his left foot, and um, getting assists um, out in that right hand side for the likes of Cavani. And you're thinking how we could do with him right now if it was just purely down to footballing reasons, we'd have him in the team every every day of the week right now, wouldn't we? Yeah, that's what it is. Um, it's down to the down to them what they want to do ultimately. So yeah, that's a big decision for them in the summertime. Yeah, it's a uh, it's. If he with several club he ends up at, and it looks like it's going to be, um, it could be it's going to be United, Barcelona, Real Madrid, or Atletico in in the summer, whichever one it is. You know they're going to get I one think, hell of an asset. Yeah, I think best case scenario for him is probably you know if he's established himself in the league and then probably to stay out there and rebuild his career and reputation and all the rest of it. I think if he comes back to the Premier League, he's going to be in for. A very tough time uh, in all the stadiums up and down the country. Yeah, well, I believe he was getting a tough time certainly early on in Spain as well. Um, some some of the some very very sinister chanting, I believe, from um, 
I can't remember which club it was, but yeah, they I think they might have been reprimanded by La Liga for it. Um, yeah, it's it's probably it's going to come down to whether United are willing to take the the stick that comes with it. Um, and, and also, you know how the media love reporting on this club anyway, so the media scrutiny is intensifying with all things United. So, from a PR perspective as well, they probably would want to avoid that. You'd think, but again. These are these are big decisions, and uh, that's what they're going to have to make. Yeah, it is. It is a big call. Um, uh, Richard Arnold had made his decision on it, and then backtracked once he's seen the backlash. Um, whichever decision Radcliffe makes on this, he should stick with it and have the courage to stick with it, and not backtrack on it if there's, you know, uh, a bit of disagreement from certain sections of the, of the fan base online um, yeah but like I said from purely footballing point of view I'd love to see him in the team but I know that life is not as simple as that um, so Rashford managed to score his uh, third goal of the season against Forrest um, but I have to say I was not impressed by his attitude again um, it's not doing much work at all off the ball does not look interested he's not pressing um doesn't track back obviously um and i just i just wonder what has happened to the player that was um a boyhood united fan who came through the ranks and lobos playing for manchester united he doesn't look like he's enjoying it any anymore does he no no when it rains it pours like they say he's not having a good time of it at all um but again, I mean, who is in our squad, you know, this season? Um, I don't think the tactics and the way we set up help either. It's not really conducive to scoring many goals either, you know. So um, it's very hard when there's no chances creation or anything. And then with Rashford, um, you know, we know his his pros and cons now. And if you're not playing to his strengths, then you're not getting much out of him in return. Yeah. Um, now, I know he should play on the left. But if he if he's asked to do a job somewhere else in the team, he should be given his all in that role, and that's what that's what frustrates me. Um, and this is a significant improvement to now in the end of the season. Um, if PSG are still interested and they make us a big offer, then I think we should consider that. I think we've talked about that before on this show. Um, if if he finishes the season on six goals, which is um, what is likely going on as form so far? Then, yeah, if we were offered eighty million for him, then I would take it. What about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, on this current form, I don't know who the hell you know gives us eighty million. To be honest, that, that that's the problem. Um, but yeah, when you look at the squad, though, Carl, I think in order to make the changes required, first and foremost, I think they'll be looking probably at the over thirties. Um, and then work their way down. So that's probably how they'll do it. And then we've given him such a contract that um, only a handful of clubs around the world can afford him, you know? Yeah, well, PSG is definitely one of them, and they've had a long-standing interest in him. And I think even if he did finish the season in single figures for goals, his reputation 
but still command a big a big transfer fee. He can put that down to Tin Hag's tactics or the club being in disarray as to why he didn't score that many goals this season. He can always point to the fact that he got 30 last season. Um, so I still think he'd be worth an, an awful lot of money, even if he, he doesn't significantly improve in, in the last five months of the season. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very depressing at the moment. And uh, I'm going to do some player ratings just to compound that. Um, Andre Onana, I'm going to say four. Um, Armand Basaka, I'll say five. He was jogging back at times um, when, were, um, when uh, Danny Forrest were counter-attacking. That was a bit alarming, I must say. Um, Varane very nearly scored an OG. Very, a nearly very bizarre own goal. I think come off his... Um, the side of his upper leg and nearly went into the net, but thankfully it didn't. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's hard to really critique the centre backs at the moment because they're not being helped by the midfield or the fullbacks really. Um, so I'll just say five for Varane, Johnny Evans. Um, I thought I thought had a good game as always, very very solid by one of our better performers in recent weeks. So I'll say six for Johnny Evans, Diogo Diogo Delo, and um, def, definitely culpable for the goals. Um, on looking at the score, I suppose. But yeah, I'd say four for for Diogo Delo. Could be could be I know he didn't have a great game, but was unfortunate to be subbed at half time. Um, quite often at United, the youngster is always the fall guy when things aren't going well, and I don't always agree with that. Um. So Manu a five, Christian Eriksen a five didn't have anywhere near the same impact in this game as he did against Dalton Villa. I'm surprised he played ninety minutes because we know he doesn't really have this dominant. Well, it's a hundred minutes now Premier League football, so I'm surprised that Eriksen played a uh, hundred minutes in this game. Um, I, th- I think that's the problem as well, isn't it, Carl? Because you know, with him, we know you have to manage his minutes, and we saw the quality that he does still have as well this week. But, you know, he just, he can't play all the games in quick succession. Yeah, but we're so, we're so desperate for bodies in, in midfield. Uh, he's been forced to play in um, back-to-back games. Um, Bruno Fernandes, one of his better days against Villa, but one of his bad days yesterday. Why did he dummy that, that cutback? And uh, they just failed to a uh, forest player, and then they scored from the resulting counter attack. You know, if he had actually shot first time there, we could have been 2 1 up rather than 2 1 down. Um, but yeah, he did not have much of an influence on the game uh, aside from that. And was a another one, he's too many poor displays at the moment. Um, since he's become captain of the football club, um, he's probably had his worst six months uh, as a player. Um, so uh, five for Bruno uh, Anthony, absolutely atrocious. Um, lucky to stay on the pitch for 54 minutes, to be honest. Um, so it'd be a, a two for Anthony. Marcus Rashford obviously scored, but uh, didn't have a great game overall. And you know, his, his commitment and his attitude wasn't fantastic either. Um, so I'll say a six for Rashford because he scored. And I'm a Diallo. Definitely gets a seven for his impact from the bench. I was very pleased with him. Uh, sorry, I missed out Garnacho there. Yeah, Garnacho with, with another assist. Um, was always always seems to be our biggest threat in in, in recently. Um, should have should have played on the right rather than the left. That Garnacho really could be the answer to our right wing problems. But uh, 
it was entirely predictable that he'd move him back to the left once he had to bring uh, Anthony into the team. But uh, so Granacho probably a six as well. Uh, like I said, Diallo was seven. McTominay a three for his um, forty-five plus ten minutes that he played. As like I said, he was culpable for for the goals, not not picking up his man. Um, as a number six, the number ten in the in the opposite team is your man. And he he didn't all he we went out to help out Dallow against Alanga and left the man free in the middle. Um and that happened on two occasions was cost us the game. We know he should not be the manager obviously has to take blame for that because he shouldn't be playing in that position. Um and Regulon like for Ambasaka after ninety minutes that didn't understand what was that all about. You know, you're chasing the game and bring on a left back as Ten Hag does this a lot as well. Um don't get it. Um, I could see maybe he was going to push Dallow to the right and Regan on the left and, and push them high up the pitch and, you know, hopefully help us create chances. But at that stage of the game, you know, Forrest are going to be sitting so deep. We're going to be resulting. We're just going to have to just launch balls into the box. Um, so it's, to me, there's no point in making a substitution after 90 minutes to change a game. It's just ridiculous. And on a fullback. Um, especially when we don't even have the players to go route one like that to just put balls in to who There's yeah no focal point. especially in this game because there was no Hoyland yeah and oh, it's, it's terrible isn't it because you know the kid can't get catch a break because uh, you know after that wonderful comeback against Aston Villa I mean we were dreadful that game by the way but you know um, we managed to capitalise uh, on, on shoddy defending by them um, but, you know, the, the way in which we came back on one and to, for Hoyland, you, you saw what it meant to him to get that goal and then to then miss the game following and not have a chance to build on that momentum. It, it's just, yeah, it's annoying, isn't it? Yeah, he would have been desperate to play in the Forest game after being on such a high after Villa. Um, so it must have been something seriously wrong. Um, but this season, we have missed someone through illness or injury 35 times this season now that's absolutely abysmal i was asking an arsenal fan do you do do you have a problem with illness at your club do you find that illness keeps players out on a regular basis he says almost never so why every single week at manchester united are we missing a player or two through illness marcial's been ill now for three weeks not sure i even believe that but it does seem to be a chronic problem at United. Um, are players unwilling to play if they've got a few sniffles? Um, or is it a case of a cl- is it the club policy that anyone who might uh, be in a position to infect other people is just left at home? But it doesn't seem to happen at other clubs where they miss a player every game through illness. I mean, it's another it's another really annoying habit that you, you see at United. What's your thoughts on it, Brush? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, with Martial as well, um, it'll be very interesting to see if he makes it through uh, this January transfer window. Yeah, I'll be happy to move him on as well. He's on enormous wages too, isn't he? Two fifty. Yeah, two two fifty a week. So we know for a fact he's gone in the summer, but there have been rumours circulating that you know we could move him on this month. Yeah, um, if we could do one piece of business in this January window, it would be to move him on and get a striker in. Yes. Hopefully yeah. someone 
a wee bit better than Vankhurst, though. And, and yeah, any kind of backup striker is imperative. But then we also have to look at the chances created for the striker as well. Um, yeah, nobody in this team is getting goals. Uh, they're just gonna do do cardio, just running around in the box. Yeah, what do we have now? Uh, is it our goal tally is abysmal as well? Uh, I remember it was, it was eighteen goals after eighteen games. Um, what now? Now that we've played, if we play, we've played twenty games now, uh, so I think we're up to twenty-two goals in twenty games. I mean, yeah, that, we've that is... scored. We've scored twenty-two and twenty, and we've conceded twenty-seven. <sighs> Oh, that is like a bottom half team. Yes, yes. There's not too many teams worse than that, to be honest. Luton have one goal more than us. They've scored 23. That's a sack of offense by itself. And, and, and Luton are 18th in the league. Um, yeah. Yeah, we we are in complete disarray at the moment. And... Yeah, only Sheffield United, Burnley... Uh, have scored less than us, I believe. Yeah, and we're tied with Crystal Palace on twenty-two <laughs> goals scored. And Crystal Palace weren't renowned for being great goal scorers. So yeah, that's... no, no, yeah, yeah, they've had issues with strikers as well. I just where do we go from here? Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we need to do some urgent business in January. Uh, and beyond this season, I think we're going to have to we want to bring in a director of football, and we're going to have to replace the manager. Um, I have to say though that I'm not hugely enthusiastic about the prospect of Graham Potter coming in as manager, who's apparently on anyone else's list. Um, there would be some logic in bringing in Dan Ashworth as director of football if they can get him and bring in Potter to work underneath him because they've worked together brilliantly at Brighton before. But I just don't think, much like Tin Hag, Tin Hag, I think, is out of his depth. And I think that that might be the case for Graham Potter as well. I think he's just too nice a guy to be Manchester United manager. Um, but I think he's a brilliant coach. Um, but I think the job might be too big for him. Yeah, what's your thoughts on a brush? Yeah, definitely. I think we'd be setting him up for failure. I do rate him as a coach, but I don't think he is what United need. Um, you know, he's a project manager. He's one of those where it's going to take time and you'd have to back him in all aspects. But yeah, I don't think this is the club where you allow someone that time to grow. He has to go do that somewhere else, unfortunately. Yeah, um, it's difficult to know. I think you've mentioned this already. It's difficult to know who we're going to get in as manager uh, at the end of the season. Um I think everybody's ideal candidate would, well, most people's ideal candidate would probably be Zinedine Zidane, but I just don't think he wants to manage in England. Oh, I don't think he wants to manage any, anywhere that isn't France or Real Madrid, to be honest. Um, but one interesting name that we did discuss uh, in the not too distant past was Xabi uh, Alonso. And mm. uh, since we talked about him, Carlo Ancelotti has signed a contract extension at Real Madrid. Um, so that's a potential one that I would definitely be looking at if I were them. Uh, you know, looking at up-and-coming coaches who could perhaps do a job at that next level. I'll yeah, keep tabs on him. He's having a fabulous season at Bar Leverkusen, um, and the absolute antithesis of us when it comes to goals—they're absolutely banging them in. Um, they're top of 
uh, the Bundesliga and they, they won six out of six in the Europa League group matches. Um, so yeah, I would will wait if definitely if he wins the Bundesliga with Bayer Leverkusen and breaks um, Bayern Munich's what twelve year stranglehold on 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 Germany, then he has to be a candidate uh, for for big clubs like Manchester United and and Real Madrid. So, um, I would, but. Some fans, like I've mentioned this this name before, Alonso, and some fans don't like him because of his Liverpool past. To be, if I'm if I'm being honest, I I don't give a I don't give a toss. Um, Matt Busby played for Liverpool and Manchester City, so um, if we can get the best young coach in Europe, then 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 I'd bring him in. I don't, I'm just not interested in, in trivial things like that. What's your thoughts, Brush? Yeah, in this modern age, you know, football is a business first and foremost. Uh, unfortunately, whichever way you feel about it, there's no room for tribalism and things of that nature. And like you said, yes, yeah, so Matt Busby spent his career at Liverpool and uh, and Man City. Um, so yeah, we can't let things like that get in the way. If the opportunity arises, we need to be in the market for the best, regardless of their history. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think winning the German league is definitely better on your CV than winning the Eredivisie. Because Frank De Boer won four Eredivisies, Ten Hag has won three, and we've seen what De Boer has done since he left. Um, Holland and Crystal Palace fans will, will remind you of that. I think, if, I know he only managed uh, four games in the Premier League, but he has a zero percent win rate in the Premier League. Um, so that's Ten Hag's credentials, what he done in Holland. So. He doesn't really have the track record that proves that he can manage Manchester United to the Premier League title, and it's another reason why um, I don't have you know faith that he that he can turn us around, even under Jim Radcliffe. Um, so you might feel that I'm being a bit harsh on the manager, but he's not showing anything to me that that there's no signs that he can become you know a, a great manager in the future. I, I just don't see it. I think he just looks lost out there. Um. Yeah, I definitely think that's a bit harsh because, I mean, before he went to Ajax, they did, like, miss out on the title. So, you know, it's not like they just kept winning throughout uh, with no change. Um, but obviously, United is a different animal altogether. The level of competition and the tougher league and there's so many more things that manage. And even at Ajax, you know, it wasn't just him. He had the structure with Overmars and Van der Sar and whatnot. Um, so yeah, it's different. Um, I understand your point that he's out of his depth. Obviously, uh, this is the biggest job he's had in his career to date. Um, but you know, it takes a certain caliber of manager or person to come in um, to a club of our, our stature. And this is the thing. This is why, if you don't go for experience and someone completely, you know, who's got the CV, who's been there and done it, then you need to be looking at the next up and comers who you think can reach that level. Uh, the way we looked at the likes of the Antonio Contes and Jurgen Klopp's 10 years ago, you know, because those guys back in 2012, 2011, uh, were making a lot of noise. And we were looking around at them lot and Diego Simeone and these people. And you look at the trajectory and where, what they've gone on to achieve. That's what we need to be at the forefront of um, with the next generation. And that's where looking at the likes of the Javi Alonso um, may come in handy. Yeah, if 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 we got someone like Alonso and we had a world class director of football, then then it would be I would be positive. I, I don't even think they need to be world class, mate. Just somebody competent who knows what they're doing. 
Like, it really isn't rocket science. Uh, I just think at United, we complicate things far more than it needs to be. Yeah. There's too many promotions from within and, and people who are not Yeah, qualified. all of that kind of stuff as well. Like, you know, there should always be an influx of incomings and outgoings, irrespective of what the squad needs. You need to identify young players. You need to make sure you send out scouts. You need to uh, pick players up on the cheap, put them on, you know, minimal contracts. Don't pay the silly wages and then be stuck with them. Um, so there's a lot of simple things that they can do, which, you know, after one or two cycles would uh, fix a lot of the problems. Yeah, uh, Charlotte Junker of the Times uh, reported on Christmas Day, I think it was, that uh, John Murda is going to be moved on by Ineos. Um, and I don't think anybody's going to complain about that, especially after the Jude Bellingham story that was in The Athletic recently. Um, I don't think you'll be shed any tears either about John Murda leaving the club, Rush. Yeah, no, good riddance, good riddance. We need proper structure, uh, need people competent and not because they've been around and it's easier to just recruit or get, offer a position from within. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we've got Wigan in the FA Cup. Um, like I said, I would like Diallo to get an opportunity in that game, um, or continue with Rush or um, Garnacho on the right. Um, yeah, you know, Garnacho only played one game on the right, but that game was very fruitful from his point of view, scoring scoring twice in the game and being our biggest threat on the night. Um. So I'd like to see more of him in that position. But at the same time, I want to see Diallo get an opportunity. And Wigan seems like the perfect game to give him that chance because he looked bright when he came on against Forrest. Um, yeah, hopefully Hoyland's available for that game as well. I think it's, we don't really have much room for for rotation because of the amount of injuries that we have. So um, I could see that being a really strong team in that game. Plus, it's the only competition we can win this season. So... I anticipate uh, United Strong's eleven is going, going to play that match, and unfortunately, it's it's a Monday night, which uh, suits absolutely no one because the fans that will be watching at home will have to wait to Monday night for a game, um, and and that's that'll be nine days in total between games, and the fans going to the game, you know, did rather have the game at the at the weekend. I suppose it's not really much of a travel actually. Now to think about it, New Wigan is in Greater Manchester, isn't it? Um, but yeah, it's not ideal to have a game on a Monday night, is it? No, it's not. Um, the, the main thing I'm looking forward to is seeing how the goalkeeper gets on. Uh, I presume Bayender's finally going to get a start. Well, what I was reading a couple of days ago is that Onana wants to delay his departure to AFCON and play in this Wigan game. And I don't think that makes any sense um, because Bayender's going to have to play. If, if, if Onana plays against Wigan, then Bianca's going to make his debut against Tottenham, and that makes no sense. He that doesn't make any sense. He should play against Wigan so we get to see what he's about and so he gets a feel for things before being chucked in at the deep end against Tottenham. Yeah, I mean, Wigan is a perfect game for a goalkeeper to make his debut. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, we really need this guy to, to turn out to be good, I feel, because I don't have much feel I, for I, him. I'll tell you what, Carl, because I've mentioned it to you before, I've not seen him. Um, recently, somebody uh, posted a compilation clip, uh, which came to my attention. Um, yeah, yeah, I didn't like what I saw. Was... Yeah, I, I talk, I, we discussed this back in August. And, yeah, yeah. And it could be just all the bad moments in his career. Yeah, I'm sure, you, you, it's, you know, it's never nice to judge anyone based on compilations. But what I was saying, I mean, yeah, yeah, I'd be using Tom Heaton if that's what he has to offer. 
<laughs> yeah, some of those errors were catastrophic, I have to say. Um, oh, so you... calamitous. I mean, yeah. I'll tell you what, whoever scouted Anana definitely scouted this guy as well. And that scout should be sacked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, at least they're consistent with what they're looking for in the keepers, eh? <sighs> yeah. Don't be surprised that in August we have a different number one. and It's neither of those two. Um, uh, I, I'll tell you what, this month is going to be an interesting one because, you know, uh, Dave's still a free agent, right? So I imagine the papers are going to have a field day uh, making links to him with a, with some sort of romantic return on a short-term deal. I just don't think Tin Hag would do it. He probably has too much pride uh, to do that transfer. Um, yeah, I'm surprised that a goalkeeper of his quality has find, hasn't found a club at all, not even in Saudi. Um, but... He's Maybe he's just taking a little break as well. Who knows? Um, I know Isco took like nine months off. Uh, I think last January, a move to Union Berlin failed to materialise. And then he just took a lot of time off before going to Real Betis. Um, yeah. And then he's done really well at Betis. I have read today that De Gea is actually considered retiring from the game. but And any decision that he makes on his future will be come down to, you know, for family reasons as well, will be involved in it. Because he has a young kid now and and obviously he's in a relationship with a pop star from from Spain. So um, anywhere that he goes will will have to come down to well, family reasons will have to come into it as well. Um, yeah, I don't think he's going to come back to United. I don't see that happening. Um, unless the, like Tom Heaton, Bayenda, and Onana are all unavailable, then maybe in that circumstance. But uh, I don't think Ten Hag will go back to De Gea um, yeah, because he it's not like the Paul Scholes situation where he just retired himself and Fergie brought him back six months later because he needed him Ten Hag basically let De Gea go and wouldn't give him a, a new contract and well he tried to offer him a, a contract on reduced terms and reduced the terms twice um, after agreeing to reduce terms, he then then reduced even further. It was um, it was all a, it was all a complete mess, wasn't it? The handling of that situation. Yeah, and if if De Gea had any dignity, then he wouldn't accept you know the offer from from United. But then I suppose if if the offer was coming from Dave Brailsford or Jim Radcliffe, they might feel differently about it. Um, but I don't think De Gea would want to work under Ten Hag again. Yeah. No, we, I think that chapter's closed now, isn't it? I think it's probably best for all parties if uh, if, uh, if they moved on. But, you know, uh, such is the state of our club that I can just see it. I can see the papers and the journalists just itching to write about it. Yeah, but they need they need to fill their, their column inches and uh, Manchester United is always the go-to for that. But it's 90% shite. Um, so you mentioned Tom Heaton there. He would be he would be, he would be my choice because any time he is featured for United or played against United, I think he's been really good. So I would like, to, and he was promised the number two role when he first came in under Oli, and that didn't materialise because um, both Henderson and De Gea stayed. Um, so I would like to see him get an opportunity as well. I wouldn't be against that if it was him who played instead of Bayenda, but because Bayenda was brought in under Ten Hag's watch. Then I think he'll be the one. He's the one that's always on the bench, so I think it'll it'll be him. But it makes no sense for Onana to stay for the FA Cup game and then be in to make his debut against Tottenham. That's that's kamikaze stuff. 
Um, yeah, that would be ridiculous. I, I don't understand. Yeah, I wouldn't understand if that were to happen. Um, but hopefully uh, we get in safely into the fourth round of the FA Cup. Um, if we didn't, then we, we'll go more than two weeks without a game. Um, three weeks maybe without a game? No, Yeah, but two and a half, I think. Yeah, because the only two Premier League games this month, I think, are Tottenham and Wolves. And Wolves is well, right at the end of the month. Wolves, Wolves is the 1st of February. Um, oh, oh, okay. It's on a Thursday night, which is another mm. joke. Um, but, yeah, we'll have one FA Cup game, one league game, and then maybe another FA Cup game in January if we get through this Wigan tie. Um, so it's a very strange lack of football, really, considering that I think in December we had nine games and now we're going to have a maximum of three in January. It's very odd, that, isn't it? Um, but I think what's happening is... Um, they're, they're, everybody's getting a little bit of a break. Um, there's going to be five Premier League games on the 13th, 14th of January, and then on the then five Premier League games on the 20th, 21st of January. So everybody's going to get a weekend off at some stage. Um, so yeah, that's the Premier League have factored that, that into the calendar now, where it's a, like a mini winter break. Uh, nothing like what they get in in Germany or Spain or France, where they get like three weeks off. But um, it does make sense, I suppose. But um, I was going to say it's not good from a fan point of view because there's so few games, but I'm quite happy for United not to play at the moment because they keep ruining my weekend. Um, so, Brush, uh, it's been a pleasure as always and hope to have you on again soon. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure to be here. Hopefully we can be a bit more upbeat the next time. Yeah, um, these shows are turning into therapy sessions rather than, you know, analysing you know, uh, United victories. So hopefully uh, the next one, we are analysing a victory and enjoying it. But like I say, every victory at the moment is followed up by a defeat. So I'll never get too excited about it. Um, So if everyone could please smash the like on the video, subscribe to the podcast and get more of your comments in. And I will see everyone again following the Wigan game.